Okay, so I'm getting the word that we can go ahead and start. Um, I would say that it's not going to be on YouTube right now, right away. Uh, the other meeting is wrapping up, and as soon as they're done, we will get it up on YouTube live. So I guess those people that are on YouTube waiting to watch us. <laughs> I know JT had said something about the YouTube not working, that type of thing. So anyway, we can go ahead and get started, Jackie. All right. Well, since we do have quorum, a call to order. Uh, hi, everybody. I have kind of bad allergies, so if I start sneezing or anything, uh, apologies on that. <laughs> uh, so we're looking to approve the minutes from the Monday, April 11th meeting. If I could everyone look them over, and I'm looking for a motion then to approve or make any changes. This is board Pat member Phillips. Amber Nichol, and I will make a motion to approve the minutes. This is Pat Phillips, board member. I second the motion. Jackie Becker, chair, I see we have a first from Amber and a second from Pat Phillips. All those in favor, could they say aye or raise their hands? Aye. It appears to look unanimous, so... Motion passes, minutes approved. All right, uh, moving into the next part, we are looking at public comment. Uh, I see a written correspondence. Uh, is there anyone else that is on currently for public comment in person or? Online? We do have somebody here that will like to speak to the board. You want to go ahead and come up to the table and we'll be able to stay on the board for you. State your name. And yeah, so my name is James Greason. I, uh, I typed this up. I'm just going to kind of read it and ad lib a couple things. So <clears throat> I'll start with my first experience with the Lawrence Park and Rec Baseball was in 2017 when I was the assistant coach for my daughter's softball team. I had either been an assistant coach or a head coach for seven softball or baseball seasons. Overall, this summer baseball season makes the 16th time I have either coached a sport for one of my children through Lawrence Park and Rec. Some not, most of them being the head coach. With early baseball and softball, the facilities have been on par with the level of baseball that's been played on the field. In early ages, you don't need much. Some flat dirt, bases, and a tee. As the level of play increases, the requirements should increase as well. That's not happening. Once we made it to a machine pitch, the machines were hit and miss. Many times, needed to be reset, needed wheels, or constantly had to play with the cord to make them work. An example is it uses an extension cord routed under the dirt to a GFI outlet. Next level is kid pitch. What a difference. We change fields, change dimensions, add a mound, and others. The level of requirements from Parks and Rec goes up a lot during this year. Early in the season, we practice on the smaller fields at YSD. Mounds have been hit and miss in the past. At some point, the mounds get moved to either the YSC Cloverleaf or at Holcomb. Not an issue, but according to emails, a couple times we weren't notified of the move. Sure would be nice to know 
where they were at the time I scheduled the practice. Then the games start. The scheduling of practice continues to be a pain. Can only schedule a week in advance. I try to appease the parents as much as possible. That being said, it's easier to have them at the same time every week. That's near impossible. We have tournaments to work around, games, and on top of that, if I don't log in at 7 a.m. and snag it, I am fighting the other teams. If I move to another field, I run the risk of not having a mound. For instance, this year, the mounds were moved and we weren't notified. And then when I went to schedule a practice at the field um, that has them, they were full because of a softball tournament. The tournament games were on fields where the mounds were, and I scheduled a practice on a softball field. They did not move the mounds from the baseball fields to the softball field that we were allowed to rent. You would think that we would have mounds in fixed places at all times and a practice on a softball field. You would think that we would, um, I practice on a, yeah, softball field. The tournament games were on, dang. Okay, sure would fix a lot in frustrations if we had the mounds were available for us on a schedule. A good way to make this easier is to provide static pitching mounds locations. To be fair, there is at YSC and Holcomb static pitching mounds. They're right outside the fence. There's two of them at, or four of them at, um, at uh, Holcomb and two of them at YSC. They're in such a bad shape, it's a joke. I have to worry about the pitchers and catchers getting hurt while using them. A little example is we don't even have a home plate at one because the grass is grown over the top. And then the other one we're missing dirt and the kids where their feet land have a giant hole. So I have to repack it every practice. The big punch in the gut was last fall when my son and one other player joined the team in the Topeka Parks and Rec. You might ask why Topeka? It's because we don't have full ball. Told lack of players, but if it's, uh, an email was never sent to ask about it. We had our practices at Mammoth Sports in Merrick, Kansas. Amazing indoor facility and great outdoor facility as well. This is a club facility, I know, but the option to practice on a day rain was great. The games were at Bettis Sports Complex near Shawnee, Lake Shawnee. Wow. Turf infield, grass outfield, amazing dughouse, turf practice mounds, security people that walked around, regular workers were there, nice bathroom, concession stands, and more. It was truly a class act. As you can see, I have a passion for baseball and truly love coaching kids. What's really hard to see is other sports in the district get funding, have great facilities, and support from the community. Big question, why not baseball? And then, if I can, I want to go over some numbers. So, James, from, James yes. uh, so we have a three-minute limit on public comment, okay. and I've given you an extra minute. Are you close to closing, or? Yep, this is okay. real quick. Okay. So on January 24th of 2022, the softball uh, complex in Topeka was granted $440,000 from Invista to, in order to name it. Let's just say we do 25% of these numbers. That's great. So for eight years for the contract, they had $440,000. The other one is they estimate the improvements with that and the fields, um, they had 39 baseball and softball tournaments and it generated an estimated $7 million for the local economy. We have zero and that's, that's hard, it's really hard. That's what I got.
Thank you so much, James. Uh, does anyone on the board have some comments on this or any questions to ask of him? Jackie, yes. Would, it's just taking the comments. Okay. That's it next time we can put it on the agenda. This is just the time because other public isn't here to discuss. So we just okay. take the comments and then if we want to make an agenda item in the future, we can. Got it. All right. Well then, uh, James, thank you so much for sharing the time. Uh, I can tell you that we do have regular conversations about sponsorship in Parks and Rec and uh, give us some time to take your thoughts and comments. And hopefully this is something we can continue to talk about more in the future and help maybe find some more solutions too. Sounds good. Thanks, James. I will cut it And I did send his comments to each of your email boxes being received. Thanks, James. Thank you. Any other public comment uh, out there? And I would just, uh, Jackie, I just want to mention that the other public comment was on the batting pages. For those people, you can go to the agenda and find the comments about batting cages listed. And I, I can say, we can say with the batting cages, I know that there was already a response uh, given, correct? That was emailed out? Yeah, it's Mark Hecker. I, I did talk with this individual two or three times about his concerns, so. He was, had not been to the batting cages this year, which the batting cages have since been removed. So he was a little concerned that they weren't there anymore. But they haven't been open since 2019. 2018 was the last time we operated them. So it has been quite some time since they've been operational. He, he also had concerns about field conditions and, and similar to the person who commented tonight. Uh, this is Bauer, no board member. So was the person who just commented not the batting cage person? This was another, okay. This was another one. It, it was different. a different, different, okay. Yes. Okay, so. Um, Any other questions or comments on our public comment? This is Marilyn Hall, board member. I'm wondering if we should ask staff to report to us at the next meeting on um, the conditions of the field and how some of these concerns might be addressed. Rogers, director of Parks and Recreation, we'll get that done. Jackie Becker, Chair. Uh, thank you, Marilyn. And thank you, Derek. I agree that this is definitely something if we've got two people in one month, we should absolutely make sure that we're staying on top of it. And with summer starting, I know lots of kids will be not just playing all kinds of sports, but lots of probably baseball and softball. So. Hey, Jackie, this is John Blazik. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, John. I'm on my phone because I'm really struggling. And I'm trying to get in the meeting. They said the host will let me in soon. Is there a host in there that could let me in? I'm sorry. 
So we're getting in, John. Thanks for letting me know. Thank you, Jackie. No problem. Um, this is Pat Phillips, board member. I just had one question on what we were just talking about. Will that then be added to our agenda next month? Um, the response from staff, as well as any comments regarding the, the concerns on the, the condition of the baseball field and mounds. Derek Rogers, Director for Parks and Recreation. Um, we'll, we'll provide an update. So I don't know if that's an agenda item or just an update. Uh, it's, it's whatever the chair of the advisory board would like. Let's make it an agenda item and then becomes appropriate to make motions and that kind of thing. Jackie Becker, Chair, I, I agree with that. I think it should definitely be an agenda item um, since we obviously have community members uh, having concerns about it. Uh, Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Uh, just to follow up on that, I already uh, spoke with Mr. Greason, who was here to talk about some of his concerns. And so we have agreed to meet with him with our sports staff and talk further. So uh, I had a really good conversation with him about a week ago. And um, we'll try to meet with him prior to the next meeting. So then in addition to the condition of the fields, I can also give an update on, on what we discussed with him and, and maybe some steps that we're taking to address this concern. Jackie Becker, uh, Lindsay, thank you for being so proactive on that. Thanks. Hey, Jackie, this is John Blazik. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hey, Lindsay, if um, I would be very interested in sitting in those meetings with you on these athletic facilities. Okay, sounds good. We'll let you know when we get something scheduled. Okay, unless somebody else wants to do it on the board. I'm pretty familiar with athletic facilities. I know I've had quite a few calls on concerns myself, and I would like to be there with you for the taxpayer's purpose. I look forward to that communication, Lindsay. Sounds good. I will be in touch. Any other comments or questions regarding our fields and the public comment? I don't see any, so we'll move on to D agenda items. Uh, number one is the La Yarda update. Okay, I'll, I'll read and then Mark can fill in what I've got. Derek Roger, Director of Parks and Recreation. We were waiting to, to get an official response back from uh, BNSF Ray, Railroad on Leona request to donate or to sell the property to the city of Lawrence to celebrate that location as a park. And we finally did get that back and we have relayed that to the group. The response from BNSF. Thank you for the email and discussion. At this time, BNSF Railroad is not considering the release of any right-of-way property on any of our 32,500 miles of track in 28 states or Canada where we operate. This includes the property in Lawrence. I am sorry, but I must deny this request. Please let me know if I can be of any further assistance. Um, at this point, we have relayed to the organizers and there has been support from the political um, 
side of the community and, and of our governmental affairs. And so they are trying a different approach, but there's a lot of things still going on in the background. And between uh, Nora and Steve Novak and some others, they've got some ideas and they're moving support letters through. So we'll see where that goes from there. Anything to add, Mark? I know. Okay. This is Marilyn Hull, board member. Um, not sure what you're alluding to. So some things are, they're developing some ideas, but, but not in conjunction with the little subcommittee that we created. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Is I go on the political route of contacting potentially a state okay. a House of Representatives gotcha. or Senator to try to go that route? And that's, I'm out of the Okay. Well, just to report to the rest of the board members, um, we've exchanged emails with a few people um, in the organizing group and have extended an offer that if they will are interested in considering some sort of installation near La Yarda, but up on city property or property that we can use, that we are willing to have that conversation and have some ideas for them on um, grant funding and things like that. So I feel like we put the ball in their court and it sounds like they're taking a certain route with it. Yeah, I'm Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. And thank you for reminding me uh, of that, Marilyn. And we, I think that's something that is definitely at a minimum a historical marker is would be in order to get that done. Uh, Jackie Becker. So at this point, then, in terms of the Parks and Rec, we're going to say we're kind of where we're at and we're going to wait for them to make a decision and then we will move forward if they come back to us with either new ideas the marker or you know the amazingness that someone got through to bnsf and maybe something else could happen correct Rick Rogers, director of parks and recreation that is correct and they have always enjoy engaging with the community and and this group um they're very energetic and i wish them the best and hope they can get something done I agree. Thanks, Derek. Any other comments on this from the board? All right, we can move on to number two. Uh, finally, with some positive weather, we were able to have the book Brook Creek Trail Tour Review that was held on April 12th. I'm Mark Hacker, Assistant Director. Yeah, we, we had a pretty good group that walked the, the wooded area over there and kind of conceptualize what trails could look like. And I think we all agreed there's pretty significant work that needs to happen to make actual trails a reality. Um, Pat Hennessy, our, our park district manager, also met with Mike Gorman. Uh, he's with the Kansas Trail Coalition. Uh, they do sometimes volunteer, come in and build trails. That was last Friday afternoon. I haven't heard where they ended up with that, but yeah, basically it's one of those prioritization things is how how much funding can we push towards it? Is it really realistic to, to develop a trail there? Is it sustainable? Um, some of it would be fairly easy to build. Some of it would not be easy to build <laughs> in, in the marshlands. So, so I, I would say we've, we've identified what the issues might be. So, but we haven't come up with solutions yet. I think it's scary over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a cool area I mean, when you really go walk it, but it's, it's, it would take a lot of work. 
uh, Jackie Becker. So would you say that the neighborhood felt and was on the same alignment with Parks and Rec that it is going to be a lot of work and a challenge or are they really wanting us to continue forward or what is the next step? Mark Ecker, assistant director. I felt like everyone was pretty realistic in what it would take to make that a, a trail amenity. Um, like I said, some of the areas would be fairly easy. You just go in and basically clear the underbrush and establish a trail. Uh, some of the areas more down towards the creek would be much more challenging. And, you know, with the rains we had last week, I'm sure it's just a swamp over there. So, but honestly, the creek is the main attraction. So in other words, that's, people are usually drawn to the water. So you're going to want to get down close to the creek. But uh, yeah, I, I felt like they were pretty realistic in their view of what could and couldn't happen easily. Uh, Jackie Becker, thank you for that. Uh, any, oh, go Val. Um, does that mean we, that Parks and Rec tries to come up with a uh, drawing or something and then it's submitted for the CIP or what, what happens next in that process? Yeah, Mark Hacker, assistant director, that would be the process. So if we're gonna establish it as a new trail, new project, we'd probably wanna come up with a map of it and then come up with a cost estimate. And I honestly think it probably would approach $100,000 or more. So I don't think it's something we can just magically go out and do. But, you know, that's the route I would take is let's go ahead and make it a, a real project and compare it with all the other projects that we're trying to accomplish. Marilyn Hill board members. So this year's CIP stuff has already been submitted, right? Correct. So it would be... Next year, it would be submitted as a item in a future year. Correct. Yes, it would be a new project submitted next year. That would be a dirt trail, pretty much. That's that's the question. I think we could do dirt up high, but down low, it it won't hold. So we're gonna have to do something down on the lower parts. But I completely haven't designed anything. <laughs> The other piece to this, Jackie, is we're getting ready to do the master the comprehensive plan. And so I'm sure that these these parks and other things that neighborhoods are wanting can be included in part of that discussion as well. I mean, I think this is a great time for us to kind of you know look at the future coming out of COVID. And we've been shelved for a while, so it's gonna be. I think it's going to be a great plan and a lot of community input will help, you know, develop that whole plan. Uh, I agree, Roger. I think that you're, you're totally right. And uh, let's hopefully make sure that for that neighborhood, that that is something that is a piece of it. Yeah. Any other questions or comments regarding Brook Creek? All right, I don't see any, we'll move on to number three, which is the naming policy update. And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. It is still with legal, as far as I know, I've been out in office, Roger's been out, so I have not heard any updates and haven't had time to check back to see where they are with that. But I do know it is being reviewed, so that's always a good thing. I don't know if there's 
any other comments? I, I think we're going to get to use it here before too long, but I think we're also going to get busy in this year with obviously the strategic plan. We'll be working on accreditation, um, working on the comprehensive plan. Those things are going to be a lot of time, uh, take a lot of time from the board and from, from our staff. So we're going to get busy. This is John Nelbandian, board member. So I uh, just want to be clear again, the, the issue uh, or the discussion about naming uh, is not the same discussion about sponsorships. Is that correct? Very correct, Mr. Director of Parks and Recreation. The naming policy was um, just the recap. Uh, a word between the advisory board and city staff, looking at best practices on how to name a park, rename a park, when it should be done. And then being so interactive with the advisory board and the city commission, it still needs to be reviewed by legal and then go back to the city commission for approval. So, yeah. We've got the park by the police station. We've got a few other unnamed parks. Uh, do we name splash pads when we finally get those up to speed? Um, you know, will people want to change the name of a park um, in Lawrence? It's pretty important policy. Boy, I, I mean, John, now, Andy, you know, I think being able to seek sponsors for the, for the splash pads, that, you know, that seems pretty obvious to me. Although driving down or K-10 and passing by the Garmin Olathe <laughs> Sports Complex, I'm going, hello, where are we on this? The Garmin Olathe Sports Complex? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, it's been a while since I've looked at the numbers, but that's expensive. Maybe somebody can speak to it better than I can. I remember seeing some of the things. Was it up for sale recently or do you recall? I think so. Or did the naming rights were changing? Maybe that's other one, Spiels or uh, Shields. 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 Park. So I don't know if that was changing. This is Val Renault, board member. I'm just, John, are you offended by that or does it seem too commercial or? No, I'm not offended by it. I'm just like, we're behind the times. Yeah, yeah. Not, you know, and I think that's what I said last time is I think it is so common now that, that, that some of the, um, some of the sentiment against doing it is probably uh, more of a minority now than it was, you know, when, the sports complex was first, you know, first up. But don't we have the issue that KU is sort of seen as our corporate partner there at um, SPL? No? No. No. They were part of the original complex mm -hmm. out there. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. It seems like we go around and around with this conversation, and I know you've brought it up multiple times, John. Um, and I'll probably repeat what's been said before. Unless we have a person on staff whose responsibility it is to seek these partnerships, or we pay, or else we pay a consultant to do it, 
I don't really see this moving forward. And I, and I don't really see staff making it a priority to assign someone to that. Yeah, Director, Director of Parks and Recreation. I, there's things that keep to ask, you know, that we get on where are we with something. It's like we just haven't had the capacity even to do some of the other policies we need to work on. Um, that being said, the one group that, that is working in a way of funding an amenity is the Lawrence Skate Association with the vertical ramp. I think they went over $40,000 already. Um, they didn't ask for naming rights, but they are raising funds to purchase an amenity to donate to the, to the Parks and Rec. And that's been them, so. Jackie, this is John Blasek, committee member. Derek, let me ask you a really tough question. With as many employees as you have in the upper level administration, everybody else, I mean, that shouldn't be left to the community to go raise. Why wouldn't you or Mark or the new people or the new person you just hired, why wouldn't one of those people take the, because we are behind the times, guys, on that kind of stuff, on marketing and sponsorships, and why wouldn't somebody from the recreation people take it? Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. So, for example, on the vertical ramp, that wasn't one of our high priorities, but like building a shelter at the Arboretum was another group came forward, and that was a priority for them. So when they're looking for matching funds or to donate something, then we work with them. If it is our higher priority, then maybe we do. We just finally have started to get staffed up, and we have two positions that uh, we'll be talking about later that should get us closer to the ability to be a capacity to do stuff. But we've had, so for example, Roger has been doing multiple, wearing multiple hats between marketing and events and culture and things that we took on in the department and doing policies and updating sponsorships or uh, scholarships. We just haven't had the capacity. Now, Derek, this is John Blasek from the committee. We talked a couple of weeks ago and, and I'm gonna be honest to you, you're not gonna like this, but you're the highest paid employees of this in the state and the rec people across the state, you t you even told me that you, you got to have somebody that's in this. If it's a high priority, it doesn't seem like anything's a real high priority for the taxpayers except what you guys want or what you want. I mean, John hit it right on the head. That Garmin pro that Garmin facility has been there for four years, there and I would think I would think a director and a leader would be your marketing person that's hired. I mean, with the number of administrators you have, come on. I think I think we're behind the times. And I agree with John and and I think that's something that could be done from your end. I mean, I watched the Olathe recreation cut from the top down because they had COVID and had to let people go. I don't think we let anybody go during COVID. And now they're the highest paid people in the state. Am I am I am I lost somewhere? What do you think? Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation, our wages was a priority of the, the city to keep employees and to hire employees. And we're still having a heck of a time hiring employees. And when we get to the uh, some of the hiring for the summer, we'll talk about that more. But it is good that our wages have come up to help keep and recruit, retain employees. I'd say retention in the city is still something that we need to work on. Well, I've just heard it for two years now. You're short of employees every time I turn around. That's why we can't get things done. And I'm getting calls and I'm getting people ask me taxpayers about things like you were just heard tonight on the baseball. 
And that's brutal when we lose kids at Topeka because of lack of something or facilities or we pay high enough taxes in this community and I'm standing up for taxpayers and I'm one of them that I think we've got to be more productive from the recreation end. It hasn't been that way for the five or six years I've been on this committee, but I'm seeing us fall backwards, Derek. And I'm sorry to say that. So just a question for you, John. So when an amenity or something gets built, who should pay? Should that be all taxpayers or the users of the amenities? What, what's that? If something should be built, what? So let's say we need to take and build a new sports complex. Should that be all taxpayers that pay or should it be the user pays? That just an old philosophical question. Well, just being here in town for 11 years, I'm going to imagine the taxpayers are going to end up getting it because our taxes go up every year and we see less and less. And I'm just standing up for people that have been contacting me right and left about what they're seeing from the rec department. And, and I think there should be a user fee. We heard the baseball guy talk about $7 million by their facilities. We talked to the soccer guy that wanted to come in. And, and you know, I was gung-ho for it to start. But after I learned the T's and dotted the I's, I found out it wasn't real smart for the rec people from a financial end. But if you have facilities like that, they're going to – people are going to rent them. $7 million over there in Topeka, we get – what do we get? We don't even have concession stands open. We saw that email this week. So I just, I mean, I'm hearing we're always short help, short help, short help. But I don't know if we're doing the right thing. I don't know. I, are we spinning our wheels? Because we have fallen behind people. And I know Olathe is not in good shape because I talked to some people that worked there a week ago, 10 days ago. And uh, seems like we're just not doing much. I'm sorry to say that because I think you guys have a lot on your plate, but I think the maybe a little more positive leadership coming out, we might have more things for our taxpayers in this town. Uh, Jackie Becker. This is, this is John now, Bandian. I think uh, we need to recognize that this is, uh, this is one person's view on the board. And that I don't think the rest of us are uh, climbing onto this bandwagon. Al board member, thank you, John. I mean, uh, clearly we all have rights to our opinions, but I'm sure taxes are going up in Olathe too. So, I mean, I'd like to hear a little more data about what it is we're not doing. Um, on the fundraising and sponsorship i guess what i've been trying to say whenever i talk about it is organizations put a lot of effort into that and we haven't had the staff it looks like roger's getting to support staff now so maybe that will help but it just seems like yeah it has to be delineated as someone's role to be the person who's doing the research if not making the ask and if we want a board committee to make some asks or do some research, I, I would be glad to be on it, but it seems like it would have to be defined. So that's my three cents. Uh, Jackie Becker here. Um, yeah, I think the best part of a board is to always have a lot of differing opinions on it. The one thing I think I could take away from this is uh, we do have a sponsorship you know, committee 
And um, I was on that along with Val and a former member. And how about we consider bringing that back and we start having that meeting again. So there can be, you can see the research that we did before COVID and maybe where we're at now, because perhaps some things have changed and maybe that meeting can start, a committee can come back and we can get that going. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to say is you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have people to work it and you don't pay them equitably to come to work, you'll, you won't have facilities that work. So I think to hear that we're working hard on paying people and getting more people staffed, hopefully the ball can get rolling then where we can be finding new ways for additional revenue for the community and hopefully improve our facilities and, uh, and whatnot. So I would say um, if anyone's interested in our board right now, we should maybe reignite the sponsorship committee and uh, see if we can get that going again. This is Jack Phillips, board member. Um, Jackie, I like that idea of reigniting the um, that committee um, and also to work with staff that's appropriate or able to be a part of that committee too. Um, um, to you know, to look into sponsorship because I think that's a huge piece, you know, and, and it's something that takes a lot of work. Um, and and I think it's it's come up tonight that there's there's a need for it, but um, it needs to be appropriate. Who can handle it and who has the time for it and the skills for it? But I think us supporting that is important as well. This is Marilyn Hull, board member. I wonder if the advisory board could have a role in um, advising the city commission um, that the staff capacity seems so stretched that some of the more, and I think it's what you're saying, John Wozniak, kind of um, proactive attempts to um, get sponsors and do new things, that just isn't happening because of staff capacity. And I don't think it's an issue that nobody's working hard. It just seems like um, there isn't enough maybe staff to, to go around to, to make sure that all those things are, are accomplished that are more in line with the future and the vision of the department. So that's one route we could go is to um, you know, make a recommendation to the city commission around this um, and to appeal for more resources for this sort of work. This is John Blasek. Thank you for the comment. And even Jackie, I appreciate your comment about different points of view. I really compliment the people that volunteer to look on the marketing committee. People, I've done it for 33 years. It's lots of hours. And people aren't just going to come out and write a $30,000 check just because we're volunteers on an advisory board. I mean, it's got to be a professional employee that's paid by the city in the recreation department that does that. And just, I mean, they're going to ask for data. It's hours of work and people compliments to you. But just because we're on an advisory board and go, go with them to, you know, computer land or something for this or that, it just doesn't happen. It happens over years to get money. I mean, Garmin didn't just come out of nowhere. And I think that comes back to a professional marketing person that should be paid if they're trying to raise money. I mean, I compliment you people offering that. I mean, Pat and Jackie and people like that, I do. But this is not real. That's not an easy task, guys. And we're a volunteer advisory committee. And 
I don't think we're going to carry a whole lot of weight to go in and ask somebody to, for a $10,000 donation. I just don't see that happening. But more power to you. So I thank you, Jackie, for the thoughts. Yeah, uh, Jackie Becker, the only other thing I, I think, um, you know, that I think we could learn from this through this, again, if we're going to reignite the sponsorship committee, is we should research, you know, what are they doing in Olathe? If they've had this for four years, did they have a full-time, you know, sponsorship person on their staff? And so maybe some research can be done where we can look at other cities in Kansas or communities parallel to us across the country and how important, you know, as a position in Parks and Rec is sponsorship as a, as like you said, John, because it takes time to nurture those relationships to get the money that relates to sponsorship. And so maybe, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to propose, I mean, I was on it before, I would like to step back and stay the chair, but if we can have some individuals who would like to start regularly attending and have the time to commit to the sponsorship committee, maybe that can, again, like I said, be reignited and do some research on where it stands in our state and in communities like ours across the country. Amber Nickel, board member, I'd be happy to serve on that committee. Uh, John Nalbandian, board member, I would too. Al Renault, I think I already offered. And I, I don't think any of us are naive about what it takes to land a big donation. I just want to say that. I don't think we're going to go out there in our, you know, I'm retired. I'm going to pull my business clothes back at No, it's more a matter of, I think, maybe what Marilyn said in uh, going up to the city a little bit and letting them know. I mean, if we, if you want to make money, you have to spend money kind of thing. So, so thank you. I'll, <laughs> I'll do as many volunteer hours as I can. Uh, Jackie Becker. So uh, with the talk of bringing this back, uh, Roger, is there anything we need to do with that? Is that a motion or is that just an agreement that we're going to work to schedule this committee that exists and had existed before COVID? Yeah, we can just form the committee. We don't need any action. Okay, great. Well, thank you everyone on this committee who is willing, on this board, who's willing to step up and bring this committee back and, and see where we can start going with it. So moving forward then, if that's anything else on naming policy or any other comments or anything for, all right, then we can move on to number four, which is the summer aquatics update. Okay, Lindsay Hart, assistant director. Um, in the next few days, we will be getting some messaging out uh, regarding our dates for the outdoor pool season, but we do have it set. So we will be opening the outdoor pool. So that's exciting. Um, the, the plan is to open the South Park Wading Pool um, on June 1st. And uh, then the outdoor swimming pool, the outdoor aquatic center will open June 6th. And uh, those will, the outdoor pool season will go through August 14th. Um, that's, that's the way it's looking right now. Um, I would love to see us go further over some of the weekends. I know in the past, that's just the struggle with uh, kids going back to school and things like that. So um, for now, that's our schedule. It's going to be June 6th through August 14th for the outdoor pool, uh, but we will be able to open the waiting pool a week earlier on June 1st. 
we are, you know, just as we've been talking about, we're still struggling, trying to get lifeguards. So, you know, we're doing everything we can to, to push and get the word out. Um, we know that this is finals week, so it's a little bit of a struggle right now. Kids are trying to get school finished up, and then we're hoping we get another push here in the next few weeks to uh, get us to a more comfortable number with lifeguards. But um, we're still training and, and offering, uh, you know, uh, training sessions as often as we can to get, to get our lifeguards up and ready to go. So that will go ahead, Roger. The outdoor, I mean the indoor pool. Oh yeah, and I'm sorry. So the so just to go over the schedule real quick. So the outdoor pool will be Monday through Friday, uh, 6:30 to 9 a.m. will be swim teams. Then 1 to 7:30 p.m. will be the open recreational swim with lap lanes. On Saturdays and Sundays, the pool will be open 1 to 6 p.m. The indoor pool hours are going to be Monday through Friday, 6:30 to 1 p.m. will be the lap swim and water fitness. Then Saturdays will be 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then closed on Sundays. So that's how it looks right now based on, again, the current number of staffing. So we're, uh, if we can continue to push and, and get more lifeguards, we can adjust the indoor pool hours. But that is the absolute best we can do the way the numbers are right now. Um, so again, we're gonna you know, do the best we can and, and we can make adjustments to this as we get more staff on board. This is Marilyn Hull to confirm what you said. The leisure pool, in indoor leisure pool will not be staffed. Correct. As of right now. What about the kids area? As so I'm talking, that's what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah. as of right now, it's for the third mm -hmm. summer in a row. That's too bad. Jackie, this is John. Which pool's not going to be staffed? The the indoor leisure pool. So we will only be opening the indoor pool for lap swim and water fitness for the summer. Wow. Thank you. This is Marilyn Hull. I mean, that concerns me on several levels. One is the resource use. The pool is still filled with water. <laughs> the the whatever HVAC system is still running. It seems like we have an asset that's just sitting there not being used at all. If you know for sure that you can't staff it, is there any way to save money by sort of decommissioning it and not having all that utility stuff going on? That's not my first choice. My first right. choice would be to figure out a way Sure. have um, even just limited hours for families. Yeah, I don't know, Mark, if you have thoughts on the, as far as just completely shutting it down, uh, what that would look like. Mark Eckers is the director. He, the answer is yes, we could do that. My, my preference would be, like you said, is let's try to get some use out of it. Um, the, the problem is some of the fitness classes are held in, over in the leisure pool because it has warm water. So I don't know what the ramifications for those would be if they all move to the other bigger pool. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we'd have to keep the building air conditioned heated. So you'd save on the um, the chemicals, so. And we do have nine fitness classes that use it. So it is, 
It is being used, but I, I completely understand your point. Night. Oh, so night. The night classes are not. Okay, yeah. That's the other piece to this. That, gotcha. That, I mean, the public will, I mean, they've already asked about nighttime mm -hmm. fitness mm -hmm. classes. So that's another piece to this too, in the indoor pool that won't be going. So, so again, the you know we especially with you know our, our new rec manager coming on board we we really have looked hard and and done everything that that we can but this is just the reality of where we're at with staffing and i know the schedule the way it is there could be days and times where we may not be able to be open even the hours that we have listed if we don't get more people in the next few weeks so we're really doing everything we can. Um, and so the, I think the big push was to get the outdoor pool open and it has to sacrifice some of the indoor pool hours at the time, at this time. So we, we all feel the same. It's, it's just a struggle right now. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation and Wage. We raised wages for the lifeguards, $13 starting, $14 for a head guard. We have referral bonuses and retention bonuses, and we still can't get enough people. And it's not just Lawrence, it's a nationwide. Marilyn Hall, is there anything innovative being uh, done in other communities that you're aware of to um, increase the number of lifeguards, including increasing the None that I'm aware of. I know, I think it was Overland Park just announced they're going to be closing a few of their outdoor pools this summer. So I just, I know a lot of people are in the same boat. And I, I feel like we've really made some improvements, like Derek mentioned, with the wages and bonuses. And it's a tough situation. I do. We did this last year. I think nobody gets exactly what they want. But by having both pools open, we actually maximized usage of those two amenities. Now, we, like I said, we could close one pool, and we did that the first year of COVID. We left the outdoor pool closed and went indoor only. And uh, no matter what we do, there's going to be somebody upset. And we had quite a few of them. Um, nobody is really happy with the plan of having partly open in the morning at the indoor and open at the, in the afternoons at the outdoor, but it was the best compromise. If we can get some more staff hired, then maybe we can expand on uh, those hours and capacity. I, I too would love to see the leisure pool open at the indoor pool. And then the splash pad, I think we'll get an update on that, but that was frustrating too, that I was hoping to have that open mid-May. And Jackie Becker, curious, you know, since we tend to look for younger people as lifeguards and whatnot, have there ever been programs with like a high school where you can take it as a class to get school credits and then it leads to a job or, you know, again, like Marilyn mentioned, you know, are there other ways that they're finding to, to get kids in to want to be lifeguards as early first jobs and, and things like that? Or has that ever been researched? 
I have not heard of that, but it's it's definitely a great idea. And uh, you know, maybe a partnership we can can work with the schools. I mean, obviously with with Free State, you know, we we have a good connection there. Uh, so I think that's where we get a lot of our lifeguards. But I I like the idea of starting early and uh, you know maybe it could be some kind of a curriculum or a program that we could do um, for younger kids. So that's that's definitely a great idea. I mean, we're open we're open to ideas for sure. And I think everybody's doing our best to think outside the box. Jackie, this is John Blasey, committee member. Um, yeah, I'll answer that as a retired principal. Lots of school districts do that. We were in El Dorado, did it in the Wichita. When they have pools, they can add into the curriculum and physical education. But somebody from the rec departments got to run with it and take organization and propose a recreational or um, a curriculum to the physical education department. And El Dorado never has trouble. They'll have 25, 35, because kids will take that during a phys ed class for one of their credits, knowing that they're going to get a summer job in a pool surrounding. We never had issues finding the, that's why I'm with lacrosse, with Free State and Lawrence High and the facility we have. I'm just amazed we don't have that in our high school curriculum brought from the recreation department because Schools don't think about just training them to hire them for their summer because their pools are closed. But that's something that's got to be directed out of the, maybe Lindsay can run with something like that or somebody from the rec department approaching the school district. That's very positive. Pretty, pretty late now for this time of year. But, I mean, you need lifeguards at your pool all year round, indoors and outdoors. So, yes, it, it's happening in a lot of school districts. And we just lowered it to 16 not too long ago, right? From the 18 that we required, Derek. I thought that was a requirement that we changed within a year and a half ago because we, we were holding this high standard for the lifeguard. Bridge. Yeah. yeah. But I think last year we had a, a predominantly high high school, and I think that that is a good recruiting market mm -hmm. for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. Any other comments or thoughts on our pools? Well, sincerely, I hope we can find a few more because it would be really excellent this summer to have that pool open still for the other side of town since we have the outdoor pool um, moving forward. So, all right, um, with no other comments, uh, we're moving on to E, which is the concerns board member item of interest. So. Anything anyone to talk about? Oops, I skipped one. I jumped past five. Sorry. Uh, we need to do the communicate events division update. Yeah, the communication events division. Um, this is a new division that we're creating. Um, and basically since July of last year, um, I've been overseeing um, right-of-way street events and special uses use permits for our parks um, and looking at how we communicate out to the public um, with right-of-way events and people that are wanting to do, you know, even the block parties and that type of thing, the concerts on mass, the parades, uh, the other cultural festivals that are taking place in our parks and in our public spaces. So it, it's a big undertaking um, and 
it's it's been hard juggling everything because I've been doing the administrative part of it uh, that Liz used to do. Um, also trying to keep my other job, my real job, the marketing side put together while we're doing the right-of-way street events. And now we're going to bring in the special events, some of those things like the egg hunts, um, probably the, the, the uh, pet egg hunt as well. Um, those things that we kind of dropped uh, that aren't really necessary helping revenue, but they do create community. And so we're looking at, at re reinstituting some of those things and then also taking over some of the special events that Dwayne had done uh, in special events like the city bands and the concerts. He's continuing to do it this year, but those will be brought over to this division uh, in the future. Um, and as I think Derek had said, there's going to be two new staff that are uh, going to be hired for this. Um, we closed on the 29th of April. We're about finished up with the review and bringing in people for interviews um, and hopefully get them on board uh, as soon as possible um, because summer is a busy time for this type of thing. Um, and I know that uh, we have a lot of things that we're having, you know, uh, public engagement with. Uh, we're going to be IAP2 trained. Uh, a lot of people in the city are. Uh, this is helping with public engagement um, and looking at different methods and also, uh, you know, different types of public engagement that can be done uh, to help elicit the response, you know, and getting good community feedback uh, from not only public meetings and those types of things, but also how we do our effective effectiveness in our jobs on a daily basis. So um, it, it is a big undertaking to, to oversee, but I, I, see some, I see, I have a vision for some of the publications and the collateral pieces that we need to have as a city to communicate out to the public um, the process. That's where I think we as a city has fallen down. We haven't provided the process for them. Um, and, and working with other departments. One of the things that, uh, Jackie, I think you were part of one of my committee members for the food truck festival, which took place, uh, bringing different collections of people from across the city into a meeting with somebody from the community that is putting on an event. It does, I mean, it does take man hours. Um, and, and, you know, the technology, the Zoom uh, atmosphere is perfect for that type of an environment because they can be in their office and they don't have to travel to one location. There's a lot of travel time uh, caught up in meetings. And so Zoom really has changed the way we look at things a lot, or at least the way I looked at things and, and looking at helping uh, develop community. But speaking of parades and those types of things, right now I've got possibly four parades that are planned, being planned for May and June. That's a lot of parades down Mass Street. So, um, but again, that's showing community. And um, so I, I'm excited for, for what the future holds with, with the things that we can bring and, and do. And we're gonna be looking at bringing in a bigger festival type event. I don't know what that is yet, I want to get the staff on board and really kind of think through things through and make it a big revenue generator for us. Um, there are some software that we can purchase that 
costs a little bit of money. And if we do this annually, uh, this software will help with that, that uh, process because people can go online and they can work their way through their, their application right online and they'll know how long it's going to be. And if we, we need people to get it started early. And I see a lot of events coming in very close to their end date. And there's not a lot of, of work that's being done in prep to the actual event. So we, we need time to be able to, to look things through, especially traffic plans, because safety is the utmost for all of our events, whether it be a running or a parade or anything like that. We've got to keep the community safe. So that element is in everything that we do. Um, and it, it, to me, that's the standard barrel. I want, I want our events and our process to be very thorough so that the community knows that we're vetting these things in a way that, that they know it's gonna be safe and secure and that they can come and be a part of these events and not have to worry about the safety side of it and that it is a viable event in the end. Um, so as I said, we're, we're hoping, I'm hoping that we'll get them on by June 1st. Um, and at that point, June 1st, I'm actually leaving for a little while. I have a surgery that I have to take care of. Um, and then, um, so I, I hope we'll be back in two or three weeks after that. So we'll see how that goes. But I hate to bring in people and go see ya, but sometimes that has to happen. There's great people here that can help them uh, get established here. But um, in, in terms of the communications, we're gonna be looking at public engagement. As we've said, we're gonna be having a comprehensive plan uh, that's going to be started. We have all these uh, park features like uh, Water Tower Park that we need to go revisit and some of these other parks that we have that we're going to be doing public engagement with. That's going to be part of our duties is working with the public and, and trying to uh, elicit, you know, communication with people uh, in a way that that's, you know, they feel like they can be a part of something. Um, and so I'm just looking really forward to that public engagement. I really enjoyed meeting a lot of people in the public and helping them with their events. I, I, my philosophy is we don't need to add stress to people's lives. We have enough stress as it is. Um, and so I try to alleviate the stress from their lives. I put a lot in my life, I think, sometimes. But I also have been trying to take less stress in um, because I don't think it does anything any good. And, and speaking to the, the comments earlier on sponsorship and those types of things, you know, we have a lot of bandwidth. And to me, we're maximizing the bandwidth that we're at. And we, we continue to add things like the over the winter, the winter shelter. That was a big bandwidth piece that got dropped into to parks and recreation. And I just look at trying to keep the bandwidth at a level that, that can work so we're not overstressing a system that's already stressed. Um, so I, I'm really looking at ways to de-stress and work smarter, not harder. A lot of times we can do those things and it's through innovation. And as John said, looking at other communities and how they do things. And, and Derek has done a, a tremendous amount of research in the special events. Um, I know I've gotten six or eight, 10 different uh, communities books 
of special events and their policies and procedures that we're looking at in developing a lot of this stuff. So um, that man does an awful lot of work for our community. I just want that to be said. Um, and he has done a yeoman's job on special events and he's taking things on um, that, you know, a lot of people probably would just pass, pass it by. I mean, like the shelter issue, he, he's very much a part of that. Um, he cares about this community. And uh, as a staff member that's been here 20 years, um, and I can't believe I've said that 20 years, but uh, I, I've seen a lot in these 20 years. And I think we're, with this new plan, I think we're gonna go gangbusters. Um, so uh, keep the faith, that's all I have to say. And I, I just, I look very much forward to getting new staff on board, getting them trained and going, going full throttle on special events for the community. Anybody have any questions? I guess I didn't really have a true presentation. Once we get staff on board, we'll come back and revisit it and kind of put it together once I have collateral pieces um, and everything. Right now, we're just kind of putting it together as we go. Thanks so much, Roger. Um, I My only question would be, can you just re-say what the two positions are that are being hired, what, what they are? Yes, they are the communication and events coordinators. So it's the same title? So two right. people, okay, got it, all right. The same level, yeah. So, great. And the only thing I can say, uh, as someone who was a part of the Kansas Food Truck Fest, um, you know, it was really excellent to see um, how Roger put everything together, got us all in one call instead of us having to run around and talk to the fire department and talk to the police department separately. And uh, knowing that Parks and Rec has had to take this over in the most recent years and something that perhaps none of you had ever done before and how to manage it all and make it all work. And without Parks and Rec's assistance, I think it would have taken us a lot longer to get the permits and get everything needed for the event that we are working to put on with the city. So uh, I think this is an exciting new way for our community that runs through Parks and Rec that can, you know, really in increase how you can do events in our community, in our parks and in our city, uh, because it all runs through Parks and Rec. Yeah, and I'll just mention that Jennifer was phenomenal in her, her, I mean, she has her stuff together. She knows the process down. So kudos to the group. Yeah, perhaps you can use the Kansas Food Truck Fest and Jennifer almost as a model for other organizations looking to do this because yeah, the uh, Jennifer at the Cider Gallery has everything together and, and makes it a lot easier for, for that. And I, I think it would be a good way to show how other groups can do and engage, you know, have an idea and take it and get it through Parks and Rec and make it happen in our in our city. One thing I would be remiss to talk about too is just the special event process. We have special events. The MSO has special events. The planning and development has special events. One of the things that Derek Derek has done is brought this group together. And we're looking at again, they're trying to work smarter, not harder, and looking at trying to streamline this process a little bit, bringing these three division or departments together collectively and coming up with a solution so that Joe Q Public, Joe and Jane Q Public will come in 
and they'll be able to be serviced by one person and get directed to the right place instead of having to run to three different ones to figure out where they need to go. So we're trying to streamline this process in the process of trying to learn it too. That's the other piece. And it's just been, it, it's been an eye-opening thing that, uh, you know, the planning, planning has their own special events, which I didn't even know about. And Jennifer actually taught me some things through, through her application because she had applied in, there's a pro, two, two prong process for her because they're using private land and public land and the right of way. So there's different processes for each. Um, so understanding it, it almost takes uh, somebody that's been through one of your classes, I think, would have to be knowledgeable enough to, to understand all of that. So. Any more questions or comments in regards to communication and events division for Parks and Rec? All right, now we can officially move on to any board concerns or comments that we have. Uh, this is Amber Nickel, board member, and I just wanted to circle back around and say, I know we're still looking for, are we looking for two board members? So um, I still would love to have a, tour of facilities, like the type of tour of things, places that, you know, normally don't get to go to. So when we get the other board members onboarded, if that tour is going to be offered to them, I'd like to be able to join. Yes, you will be definitely included in on that effort. Thank you. Uh, this is Marilyn Hull, board member. I wanted to ask Derek, I know you went to Arkansas yeah. and were part of that delegation. I'm, I'm wondering um, if there were any lessons learned specific to parks and recreation. Yeah, Derek Rogers, director of parks and recreation. I um, listen to our community and sometimes you think you're in a fishbowl and things can be better here or there. And um, you hear, I'll, I'll just take it pathways and we need to stripe them. We need to have passing lanes. We need to do better on wayfinding signage, which I totally agree with. And then you go down to another community and you really appreciate what we got here. You see some things that you go, this works here. So in Northwest Arkansas around Bentonville and uh, Lafayette, you know, I, I went out on the bike trails. They're, they're narrower than ours. They truly are. Michael Allen would be so impressed. This is his place because it's, I can go from store to store, the restaurant to restaurant, and they're very spread out. I need the passing lane because everybody is out there. It, it was one of the highest usages of a multi-use, multi-path that I have seen, even more so than Boulder and other places. Um, so that works. And there was other things that the community offers that uh, Tyson, J.B. Hunt and Walmart. Even a small community like Rogers, a population of 20,000, their streets are bricked, their sidewalks are bricked, they have retractable foliards, their event spaces are awesome, they have a $5 million donated, um, you know, basically an event space for concerts and for farmers markets, yet they don't really have enough employees, they don't have a parks and rec department at Rogers. So the trees, appeared to be dying, probably because they were watered by, by the public works folks. But basically, their donors in the community said, you will do this. 
they do that. <laughs> and so it's just different. In some ways, it'd be great to have all the money that gets pumped in the community. In other ways, I see how we maintain our assets at a higher level. Um, and I you just appreciate what we have here. Um, Amber Nichols was also on the trip and she saw some different things. Um, their communication events were was under economic development, which divisions in other cities, San Francisco is one that they say this division brings in so much indirect economic development to the community with my, uh, my culture celebrated here, my heritage is celebrated here, it's a welcoming community. You know, some of the things I did take away were, I really liked how their leadership had talked about when we do public engagement, it's not to tell you what we're gonna impose on you, here's our asset, it's to get your feedback and, and we're gonna come along for the journey and we may not know where this journey is gonna go. And that's the beauty of the feedback. And you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not just one event. It's not just that we did this parade or that parade. It's a culture and it has to be ingrained in the whole department of what we do. And it has to be built on trust and transparency. And some of those things being said by some of these city leaders and even these smaller communities and I may be a little biased against Northwest Arkansas or Arkansas in general. I was very impressed with how far they've come. They come from a population that had a minority of say 2% within 20 or 30 years they're 25% of a minority population with all these workers coming from across the country that normally would just use the Midwest as a flyover to go to California and New York and the East Coast. Now we're saying, hey, you know, Northwest Arkansas is pretty cool. And how can we collaborate and work together? Um, it works for them. There's, I've had discussions with Explorer Lawrence and not necessarily to, can we partner with Go Topeka on everything? There's probably some things we can do, but I think there's also some things that, uh, you know, partner with some of these other cities in our county, whether it be Baldwin and Eudora. Um, I think we can work together. It, their recreation was outdoors. I really liked how they did their art as we were looking at becoming more arts and culture Besides Parks and Rec, I really like Crystal Bridges by Bentonville. Their walking <laughs> trails were great. They had yeah. what I would consider minor art, but their art was around their trails. It didn't have to be, everything's got to be in the city center. I liked spreading that out and appreciating the art that I saw going around on a bicycle. Um, the mountain bike trails, we don't have the train to offer. I did a, a few rides out there and they labeled them like um, when you're skiing. You had the greens, the blues, and the black diamonds. And a black diamond on a wet day, because <laughs> I'm carrying my bike out of here. <laughs> um, it, just because of free routes and other things. But it very active community. They have Northwest Arkansas, um, University Town. Uh, at night, the atmosphere reminded me of um, uh, Austin, Texas, maybe with the college crowd that we, we have our own seeing downtown Lawrence, but I, I like our community. It's one of those things that it's not home. It, it's neat, but it's not home. I don't know if there's other questions you have, what I saw or Amber can answer. We all saw this big elephant. We probably saw different things. You all turned like I should <laughs> jump in. Um, I would agree uh, with everything Derek said, and I don't really have a lot to add, except for I would say that the art throughout the city was remarkable and it really was noticeable and just, you know, 
elevated the experience of being in that community. But we did joke about how, you know, all we need is three billionaires and, you know, foundations and stuff. So, uh, but I think we are lucky. I do, I did take note of the trail signage and, you know, being a visitor in a, a strange land, it was nice to be able to find signs and get where I needed to go easily. So I appreciated that. But yeah, it was it was a neat place to visit. I would recommend it. And I definitely think there are things that we could implement or, you know, just uh, be grateful for what we do. Any other? Oh, go, John. Jackie, this is John Blasek, Advisory Board. I got a question and I don't know what it is. And I, Derek, got to help me because I'm coming from the school world and you know that in the public schools. Um, and I just don't want us to fall behind farther. But as I see, you know, we're talking about concession stands not open, pools not open and things like that. In a school setting, you got to open every day. So if you're short somebody, the administrators pick up the slack. So if I had to go in and teach a science class, I would or cover it. Or if I had to do something with the custodians or I had to do something for ticket taking, John Blazik, the principal, did it or the assistant principals. Since there's yourself and then you have two people under you and then I think I think five or six, when you're short people, since they're salaried people, do you guys just work eight to five or do you ever go? Because I know you remember saying last spring, I mean, last okay. spring or last winter, you spent a lot of nights down at the... Uh, the camp, I know the homeless camp. So I know you go up and beyond your duty. Do we have people that you ever send to these events or these facilities that maybe we can open so people can use them? I mean, you've got a pretty good administrative staff that are on salaries. And I'm just thinking of the school business. If it had to get done, we did it. I did it. My assistants did it. What do you guys do? How does that happen in a rec program? <laughs> I know for Lindsay Hart, assistant director, for aquatics in particular, our aquatics supervisor and the assistant supervisor, they are on the stand every single day. And they, they get in there and they do everything. So again, they are trained, they're the managers, they're supposed to be doing you know, administrative work, but they are doing exactly what you're talking about. When, when we're short, they have to hop in and they have to cover, cover a lot of those shifts. Good, that's good to hear, I didn't know that. Thank yeah. you, Lindsay. What about like on concession stands? I mean, I, when I read that letter this week, I was floored. What would what do you do there, Derek? I can speak to that again, Lindsay Hart, assistant director. That was really the last thing I was going to give in my recreation report. But uh, we, the last few years, we've um, contracted it out um, with our our vendor, Sandbar Subs, um, just due to COVID. We couldn't do the normal setup that we had because our facilities were not open consistently uh, because of COVID. And so it was difficult to get somebody signed up. Uh, however, we just finished the RFP and we have uh, signed an agreement with Sandbar Subs again. So they are our uh, concession vendor and it's effective this week. So we are up and running with the concession vendor. Uh, it will be, uh, it's a renewable contract over the next five years. And so again, the last few years have been a little different because of COVID and it was real inconsistent, but we are back up and running uh, in the concession area. 
Good. Thank you. I didn't know that. And I appreciate Jackie talking about even John saying, you know, there's some of us that don't agree with that. That's why this committee's good. We don't all want to think alike. And so I'm going to ask those kind of questions. But Lindsay, thank you about that. Because I just, I'm standing up for our taxpayers. And I just, when I have to answer questions, I don't know what to tell them. So I can give them some information. So thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate that. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I don't often talk about the golf course, but I do know that that's uh, another operation where the salaried folks are busy seven days a week, um, stressed out both on the maintenance side and the and the operations side. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast of keeping grass green and growing and keeping it open on good weather days. The Mark Hecker, Assistant Director, let me address a little bit on the park side. So currently we're down three full-time positions and, and a fourth one just resigned last week. So we're really pushing to try to get positions filled. So what's happening on the back end of that is I'm putting managers and supervisors out on mowers, which is not where I want them. In other words, I need the manager in the office trying to get all these positions and part-timers filled. So it, it almost compounds itself. If I have a manager sitting on a mower, Okay, that works good because we got the park mode, but I didn't get the full-time staff hired or the part-time staff hired that will actually fix that problem for a long term. So I, I get what you're saying, John, but I also, on the other hand, it's like you guys have a job to do. And if the managers of the pool are sitting in the lifeguard stand, who's managing the pools? So that becomes a, an interesting little look at things. So. But I'll tell you what, this, this time of year, April and May, for the maintenance side, is just ridiculously busy. We don't have enough people. We don't have the full-time staff on. All the salary people are working way over 40 hours. And it's just, it's a real push for us. It flips on the rec side come June 1, because that's when all their summer programming kick up. Parkside actually gets that more in a routine June 1. But right now we're trying to get cemeteries open, we're trying to get pools open, we've got all the bathrooms open, the shelters are open. So it's a, it's an interesting game we play and it's very cyclical. It, it goes up and down. But um, salary or non-salary, this time of year is just crazy busy for everyone. Yeah, for everybody. Why? Okay, then let me ask you, why do you lose so many employees in the wrecks and the parks? So recently, we've had a couple of retirements, and so this is a little byproduct of the, the hiring being so good, so people are finding higher-paying jobs in other communities. So we had one person that just resigned Friday said, hey, I'm going to go back and get, get another degree, so I'm just going to call it done. If we had a Frank Debbie retired at the cemetery. He's been with us 42 years. He just up and said, okay, I'm out, and so that just left a hole very unfortunate timing because we have to have, be ready for Memorial Day here in two and a half weeks. So we're trying to cover that spot. Um, it's just, it's continuous trends of people moving on. Seems like a lot of people leave that anyway. So maybe you you need to go mow, Mark. There you go. I would love to do that. <laughs> Not sure who would do the budget, but I'll sit on a mower every day. That's great. <laughs> Al Renault, board member. Um, are we in the section where we ask general questions? Jackie, I guess this is that time. Oh, okay, I just had two kind of. Um, one is 
someone coming to me asking about scheduling of the um, gyms. So if I could just talk to Lindsay separately, I'd be glad to do that. I think some processes changed during COVID that um, have not returned to normal or what they used to be. And the other uh, issue was the, um, should be yours, Mark, I think the entrance into the boroughs uh, 15th and Haskell, the boroughs, is that the right park there? And the entrance into that parking lot is like a big hill kind of. So there's also not an ADA parking space. So um, Mark, if that's something we could talk about, you know, at a later meeting, I don't think we need to tonight, but I, I have been approached by two people about those two things. And Mark Hecker, assistant director on that Burroughs Creek parking space. That's an issue we know about. We're going to correct it when the splash pad opens up. So basically we need a new sidewalk that is accessible with a parking stall. We have, we're already working on that and, yeah. and we'll have shortly. So, uh, Jackie Becker, uh, one thing I wanted to ask about since we did talk, knowing that the um, subs are going to be open up when our concession stands are going to be open, can we make sure we kind of post that on social media and make that known to the community so everybody knows it's been a few years and they're back? So that'll help their business and help it be more common that when, you know, parents are taking their kids out to baseball and whatnot or soccer that, Hey, you got food out there. If you didn't have time to get your dinner for your kids, you can come eat here. So if we could do a little, you know, promotion on that, I think that would be really wise. Jackie, this is John Blasek. Great idea. Communication. Great idea. After reading that email this week, And even not with a promotion, even perhaps an e-blast for the, you know, if people are signing up for classes or whatever, or the sports programs, you know, let's make sure anyone that's connected to Parks and Rec through their sports team or something, let's make sure they know that, hey, our concession stands are open now and uh, really hit it hard so it can be successful. And that's, you know, a win for everybody. Any other concerns or items of interest for from the board? Um, this is Pat Phillips. I just had one for Roger. Roger, a while back, you sent an email regarding um, the uh, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Committee um, that I'm a part of, and we were to meet, and I didn't know what, where that is at. Okay, I will need to check with Gail, or, and we've had some new people come on board. We may need to readdress that at a higher level too. I know that Gail's, um, is that announced um, tonight in the oh. year thing too? I didn't know. Um, we'll but anyway, um, we'll get with you, Pat, because I know that Jackie and, and uh, who's the other one, I guess, I guess that uh, we have to replace uh, Nate Bart. Bart was on it too, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, he was on that, so maybe. So, okay, yeah, we'll get it just squared away. Okay, thank you. 
Yeah. Uh, Jackie Becker. Um, Mark, can you share a little bit about the concrete work that's been done on the Lawrence Loop over by 4th Street and kind of say where it's at with it all? It looked pretty good the other day. Are you talking about the one from Peterson Park to Michigan? Yeah, that actually that project went along pretty well. Um, Mark Ecker, assistant director. And the, the only big part left of that is crossing under the turnpike entrance. And that's gonna be starting here probably in the next week or two. So they're waiting on weather, but the path itself is pretty much done. They just have to get under the highway, which is the biggest part of the project. <laughs> Do they know how long the project under the highway would take since it is a big project? It'll, uh, Mark Ecker, assistant director. No, I don't know that there's specifics. We've been doing weekly meetings with that uh, construction team and the engineer doing that. So basically they're waiting on weather. So a week like this, we're in the, in the 90s and windy will help us out a bunch. Uh, last week was not helpful because it rained, what, four days in a row. So um, it's just going to be a weather dependent. But once they start cutting into the, the highway pavement, they're going to want to move pretty quickly to get that completed and button back up. Thanks. Any other board comments or thoughts or anything? All right, I'm not seeing any, so we're going to move on to the Parks and Facilities Division update. Mark Ecker, System Director, says some milestone things. We actually got the Veterans Playground done, which has been an issue for a number of months due to weather and uh, supply issues on the equipment. So that's finished. We need to do a little spruce up around it to get some grass in, but that's big. The splash pad over burrows, I don't know if I told you last time, um, we had some concrete issues. So we basically worked with the contractor and asked them to remove all concrete. So that got put us behind a little bit. We were gonna open mid-May. Um, the contractor told us today that they got all the new fixtures in that they needed to replace to, to replace the concrete. So if you go over there now, the concrete's gone. Um, we'll be putting it back in hopefully the next couple of weeks. Uh, our target now is July 1 open. I'm hoping we're way ahead of that. And that was unfortunate. However, the concrete work was not up to the quality that we expected. And it didn't meet ADA slopes on a couple of spots. So we asked them to take it out and do it over, which was a little hard for everyone, I think. So um, other CIP items, the actual CIP projects we've submitted for 23 through 27 are in the review process. So there's actually nine different reviews that are happening on each project, strategic plan oriented. And then also um, like the engineering group, the finance group, they're all reviewing all of our projects. We have 63 projects we submitted for those uh, forward years. We'll see how they come out. Right now, I keep getting questions back from all those groups asking about um, certain things that, you know, does it really tie to this strategic plan area or does it tie to that one? Does finance, you know, finance is asking a lot about revenue projections, what's cost recovery on them? So we're working through that process. Current projects, uh, we're working on ADA improvements. Uh, this is with MSO, the ADA coordinator. We're working on ADA improvements at the Community Building East Lawrence Center and Prairie Park Nature Center. So those are all building entrances. Uh, we just met last week with the Broken Arrow uh, shelter design team. So there were, we have a project to upgrade the shelter in the restroom of Broken Arrow Park. 
So we met with that design group. They're just getting on the Lions Spray Park. We've been working with the engineers and design team there. Uh, that's probably going to be an October-ish um, bid date. So it'll be a next year project, most likely. Uh, Eagle Bend, the pump station out there is scheduled to be replaced. That's about a $400,000, just take everything out that's there and put a whole new pump station in. So that runs the irrigation system. It's been in place from original, so it's 20 plus years old. So that'll be happening. I just today met with the farmer's market. So they got a grant to hire a director of the farmer's market. So I met with her and some planning staff because they're looking for permanent locations for the farmer's market. Um, I've probably talked about this 15 times over the 20 years on where we can put it, how we can do it. What they're interested in doing is finding two or three locations and then doing a grant proposal to fund an actual permanent location. So this is very much in the infant stages that you know, they at least have a staff person dedicated to doing it. So I think that's gonna be a part, part positive. The other one is parklets. So we hired a design firm to come up with a permanent parklet program downtown. Uh, we've been going through multiple meetings with city staff to talk about what's good, what's bad. And then once we get a concept down, then we'll go to a public engagement where we talk with business owners, downtown Lawrence, a lot of other folks. So that's moving along. Hopefully by end of June, we have a conceptual plan to take back to the city commission. The idea is to get something approved by mid-July and start the new program by fall. So that's gonna be kind of a big project because we're kind of trying to develop not only the park, but also the sidewalk dining into one program. And it's kind of been a mess right now because four or five different departments deal in it. So that'll be part of our unmistakable identity type thing. So that's all I have for now. Very busy part of time of the year though. Like I said, cemeteries, pools, shelters, parks, everything is very, very busy. So. Jackie, this is John Blazik. Hey, Mark, you just mentioned something that I was asked about or I read something talking about the downtown uh, restaurant slash parking. What community was it? And they just came out this week. Do the downtown restaurants pay the city anything for like lost revenue for parking meters? Because this town that just adopted it, and I, I'm going to go back and find it. Each restaurant had to pay like a $700 fee to offset loss of revenue. Does our community look at that? Or do you know what town I'm talking about just came out this week and is around this area that is going to have outdoor restaurants, but the parking spots they lost, they had to reimburse the city. Am I making sense? Yeah, Mark, I'm your assistant director. I, I don't know what, what specific city you're talking about, but that's the model we're looking at. So through COVID, it was just everybody do whatever they want to survive. So everybody put parklets out. There was no restrictions on how big they could be, how it had to be constructed. So what we're trying to do is get a handle on that. So that going forward, if there is a parklet, say each business gets two stalls maximum, and then what's the fee for that? We know each downtown meter comes up with 700 to $1,000 of revenue per year. So what's the fee? Is that the fee for the parklet now? That's everything that'll go back to the city commission. So right now it's just everything's free and there's no standard yeah. on what it's supposed to look like. And that's what we're trying to come up with. And we're this consultant, we're looking nationwide. So we have six or seven or eight target cities that we're looking at that 
have existing programs. So we're going to try to pull all that together and then uh, come up with a recommendation on what we want Lawrence program to be and what the fees will be. And that all goes back to the city commission. Well, that's cool. Cause I think, you know, everybody started it, liked it, but I think guidelines, and would it have been Kansas city maybe? I don't know. It is. Derek Roger, Director of Parks and Recreation. It was Kansas City just uh, came out with that news story about uh, we'll continue allowing street cafes, but now restaurants have to pay. And then um, new fees go in effect May 15th. Restaurants must pay 250 application fee and an annual license fee of $600. Green said compared to other cities that charge three to $4,000 for outdoor dining permits, Kansas City tried to keep costs reasonable for restaurants. So there's an article out there if you want to see it. And the second piece is I got my downtown Lawrence email blast and May 18th, I think there's two Zooms on the part of that program. So the engagement begins next Wednesday, I think. So um, that's okay. out there. Thank you. I didn't know that. Thank you, Mark. That was good information. Sure. That's all I have. Thanks, Mark. Any other questions or comments for Mark's report? All right. Uh, I believe the, the next report uh, was from Lindsay, the Recreation Division report. Hopefully everyone took a second to look that over. Uh, and if I guess there's any additional questions, uh, we could ask Lindsay now. And if not, we can move on. Oh, sorry. If not, we can move on. I didn't know if you were supposed to talk or we're just supposed to read no, it. Okay. See if anybody had a question. Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to add is uh, Roger had mentioned this earlier, but um, as you know, we promoted Annette Daycan to our new uh, recreation operations manager, so that left her position vacant. Uh, so we did um, an internal promotion to fill her spot with Gail Sigurdsson. So she is our new uh, recreation supervisor for lifelong programs. And uh, we do have uh, now her vacant programmer position for special populations that is open right now. So they are taking applications and we hope to get that filled in the next few weeks. And that's, that was all I had, unless anybody has any questions. Marilyn Hill board member, Lindsay, would you remind us what the policy is about um, basketball tournaments using all courts? Because I noticed in your report, I think there was one or two weekends when there was no free play available. What's the policy on that again? Derek might be able to answer that better than me, but it is true there is a policy. <laughs> There's 30 days that are allowed that all courts can be used. We do offset that with the other locations. One of the things that I'm trying to help them plan a little better is once they have those on the books that are using, they get the time marked on the other pro at the other center saying free play needs to happen so that we have open free play for more out extended hours at the locations. And then do you let the public know? Yeah, we send out releases on those specific and then we also put social media out on those specific weekends. Um, and I will say that we've expanded. We used to send out the SPL newsletter monthly, but on the front, we always have the tournaments out there so people know 
what they're walking into out there. And we've expanded that since we've had the access cards at all facilities that it goes to, to all the centers as well. So anybody who has the card should be getting it or the link to it. Thanks. Any other questions or comments for Lindsay's report? All right, if not, uh, it's it. Oh, John, come on in. Yeah, just John Blazik again. Hey, Lindsay, I've never met you. I've heard good things about you. Thank you for letting me know about the concession stands and the lifeguards, because I didn't know that. Now I can respond. I appreciate your communication. And like I said, I've heard good things about you from the people in Olathe that know you and have worked with you. So thank you for your communication. Thank you. No problem. All right, looks like it's time for the director's report. I'm going to defer, since Lindsay's on a roll, um, the public engagement with the sports complex occurred, then I'll uh, back clean up. Okay. Uh, we are working internally to uh, get a public engagement uh, initiated for the YFC uh, soccer field. So as you know, we had uh, initially um, taken the turf construction project uh, to the commission in December, and uh, we were kind of uh, asked to uh, step back and regroup. And um, we've what we want to do is uh, do the public engagement, find out what the community wants. Do we want to do this project now? How many fields? What, what does that look like? You know, what kind of usage are we going to get out of it? Uh, we're going to make sure that we include all of the user groups, not just soccer, because we have football and lacrosse and the baseball groups. And uh, so we're going to um, encourage many people to participate and, and make sure we get really good input. And then that will give us some direction that we can take back to the commission with a project proposal. So uh, we will be trying to do that in-house and uh, we have our, our first meeting uh, with Roger and Porter and our communications team next week. Uh, so you'll be hopefully hearing from us on that pretty soon. Okay. Uh, comprehensive plan. Every time I think it's ready to go out, there's just another set of eyes that want to go over it. So we're really close. My goal is to get it out this weekend. And we need to uh, also identify the consultant firms across the country. Just kind of give them a heads up that we're getting ready to put it out. And it would be for a comprehensive plan to review our CIP and also look at our arts and culture. Um, you know, one piece of culture that um, I was reminded of the other day, because we talked about uh, eventually we'll do a ribbon cutting when we get the Groves Creek splash pad completed and music and local music. Sometimes I think we get so focused on music from, oh, you know, what comes in the Lawrence? And we got so many great artists here in town. And, you know, that's just another piece of the art, I think, that sometimes gets lost. And at least in my view, sometimes I look through the lens of I see art as a, a sculpture or something, yet music is also an art, and we need to be respected of that. And it reminds me, I saw the picking and fiddling is also getting their permit ready. So... I think that's a great first step. And in part of doing the RFP, um, it consists of six tasks, milestones, project kickoff, review of plans and documents. When we talk about review of plans and documents, they go through everything from uh, city strategic plan, city comprehensive plan, our 2017 master plan, 
uh, special use land use, special specific land use plans appropriated by 2040, complete street policy, downtown Lawrence plan, cultural art plan, Katie master plan, capital improvement plan. This is a great time for them to focus with the community on are we focusing on the right capital projects? We're doing the right things, budgets, our housing initiatives, mobility, pipeway plans, pedestrian plan, 2040 City of Orange Comprehensive Plan and Community Satisfaction um, Survey. It, it's, a big, it's a big ask, and uh, I'm, I know there's firms out there that have done fantastic jobs, and we're hoping that we get some good bidders, consultant firms on this. And then the other things I was going to talk about, we've already touched on from the Northwest Arkansas visits and everything else that's going on. All right. Thank you for that, Derek. Uh, any questions or comments in regards to what Derek has mentioned? All right, then it looks like uh, I want to thank everybody. I know this was a very long meeting. We haven't had a super long one like this in quite a while. So thanks everyone for hanging on for this. And I believe if there's no other comments or questions, a uh, motion to adjourn. Yeah, oh, well, sorry. Yes. I, on the calendar, I did not put the date of the next meeting. I apologize for that. It's June 13th. So 5.30, June 13th. Way. Let me look at it again. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, June 13th. I can already confirm that date that I will be unavailable because I have a couple of concerts that I have to work that day. So I will defer to John Nelbandian to be the leader of that month for us. I'm also not going to make that meeting. <laughs> okay, we may send out and see who will be here or not, too, because I'm probably not going to be here as well. Yeah, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. And in years past, because of vacations and other things, we had the board had picked a month and just said, this month we we're going to miss a meeting, or maybe they double up in another month. That's something that, uh, as a board, you may want to consider, especially if you think we may be tied on a quorum or there's just a lot of vacations coming up later in the summer. Yeah, August used to be the month that uh, meetings were kind of missed because after summer, a lot of staff take uh, vacations and that type of thing. So August was the date that um, we always had, we took that month off from the advisory board. Um, but at one point we just, Go full throttle 365 it seems like so we never we always had the all the meetings every month so well part of our issue is we're we're down two people right and so the well, number to make a quorum seems i'm thinking they may be appointed tomorrow night i okay. believe it was part of the agenda so i don't want to misspeak but i think it's on the, on the agenda right but i usually get letter or emails it may be after the meeting then that i get those because that's when the official word is done so, but there is something on the agenda for tomorrow night for members membership all right so i guess maybe we need to then kind of look at what august would look like and july to make sure that we 
have quorum and if it appears that we can't make quorum at June, even with if there are new people, maybe we shift, you know, obviously there's a lot that we've been talking about and progress that we've been making. So I certainly don't want to not have June happen if we have things we need to accomplish just because a few of us can't be there if we can get to quorum. So I guess, can we, can we do that, Roger? Can we kind of see where our board is at for the next couple of months through the summer to make sure if there's one month that everyone's going to not be available, maybe that becomes the month we take off or what's, what's the best way to go? Yeah, let, let's do this. Let me review the uh, bylaws because I know we updated them and I don't know what they were updated to. We never had bylaws before. And I know that they were, when we, when we got them, they were basically cookie, cookie cutter for the whole city's uh, advisory boards for the most part. So let me take a look at that. We can maybe address it maybe at the agenda meeting and we can figure out if it's an agenda item or if it's just an update of some kind with, with the director's report would probably be where we put it. Sounds good. All right, then I believe with that, I'm looking for a motion to adjourn. Marilyn Hall, board member, I move we adjourn. Al Renault, board member, I second. All right, we have a first and a second. All in favor of adjournment? Aye. All right, our meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everyone. Much appreciated. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jackie. Bye, everyone.